1: Rashawn McDonald, Money Making Conversations, here we go. Welcome to Money-Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions, and that's what I want to do for you. That's why I'm asking you to listen to Money-Making Conversation. In some instances, watch Money-Making Conversation. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. My next guest, Rachel Hollis, laid the foundation for her lifestyle brand and media company by being a two-time, two-time, number one New York Times bestselling author. Hollis connects with a highly engaged and growing global audience who treasures her transparency and optimism. She's one of the most sought after motivational speakers, plays host to one of today's top business podcasts, and is a proud working mama of four who uses the platform to empower and embolden women around the world. Rachel calls Austin, Texas her home. I'm born and raised in Houston, Texas, so you know I love her. More specifically, the hill country just outside of Austin, which is a beautiful, wooded area. She's on the show to discuss her new book. Didn't see that coming. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm going to call her my friend because she's a Texan girl. Uh Rachel Hollis.
0: <laughs> Hello, how you doing?
1: Well, based in like, right now I got a home in Houston, but I, my headquarters is in Atlanta, Georgia. So, so I I I was born in Houston, Texas with the high school, with the college there. Got married in Houston, Texas. So, Texas is my my birth state and my lifestyle state. So, how does it, it, it feel to live in Austin, my friend? And how long have you been in Austin?
0: It feels fantastic. I've been here a little over three years mm-hmm. and moving out of Los Angeles into Austin uh, is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life.
1: Well, I'm going to just tell you this. I lived in Los Angeles 15 years, okay? So I know the 4:05 five at 10 p.m. on a Sunday <laughs> night can be packed like it's 5 p.m. Right, uh,
0: right.
1: I, I, I lived in, uh, first I lived in Hollywood right off of 101 and um, Hollywood right there. And then I lived off, and then I moved to La Brea right there and uh, right across from uh, La, uh, La Brea Tar Pits. I lived in that uh, mm-hmm. town homes over there. And then I closed it out living in the Palazzo right across from uh the market, uh, Farmer's Market, right across from Nordstrom. Yep. I to walk out of Nordstrom, right at that street streetlight. I walk to that streetlight and I go into Nordstrom. That's how convenient my life <laughs> was. Or <laughs> nice. uh, either nice. convenient, Rachel, or very successful. Either way, I was living large. Your boy was living large. Living right. Large. But that's what LA does for you. It allows you that environment to live large. And then you move to Austin and it just, it just like immediately slows down. So why mm-hmm. was that important to have a move to Austin for you and the most important, your family?
0: Well, I think uh, for for several reasons. The first, the impetus for the move was I am a business owner, and California is not very kind (laughs) to business owners, but Texas is. Uh, No state taxes, by the way, everybody. No state taxes. That is exactly right. (laughs) Uh, So I knew I knew that I wanted to grow my company. I wanted to grow my team, and I thought I had a better chance of doing that in a state that was a little bit more forgiving, was a um, much lower cost of living, just really practical reasons for why. And Austin was one of my favorite cities in the world, still is. And so it made a ton of sense. But I don't think I was even conscious of how much I was going to love getting back to the country and having space. And I mean, I'm, I'm doing this interview with you. I'm looking, I'm on a hilltop. I'm literally looking out over just just beautiful land and it feels like such a blessing every single day of my life i look out at this view and i never take it for granted i'm so grateful to be here
1: you know it's really important that people understand what she's saying like i i grew up in a little backstory on me rachel i grew up in the in the hood uh uh just six sisters two brothers both my parents in a two-bedroom shotgun house so we space was always an issue i was always on top of people mm-hmm. and so and so you know people understand that Create, for a creative person like me, I have to have, I have to, I have to be able to walk out and not bump into people, and so, yeah. My home in Houston this is in a gated community; is really nice. But then my property in uh, Atlanta is—I you know, have a little lake, and so, and when I, when I bought this property, I, well, my wife she found it, and I walked into the house. And I said I wanted to buy it. My wife said, "You don't negotiate like that. You just don't walk in the house and say I buy. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, I, I can look out the back and I saw water, and water is such a calming. Mm-hmm. Theme to me, mm-hmm. and so when I when I, when I and I bring that up because of the fact that you know these are triggers for you, and you talk about that mm-hmm. how and, because you're really big into therapy, and these triggers mm-hmm. are important that people understand how you can find that place where you can calm your spirit, calm you, which in turn will, will calm your body, and because a lot of people don't know the mental frame that you can can affect you your body in a lot of difficult in a lot of negative ways physically, correct.
0: Right. And and the thing that I want to say for your listeners, too, is neither you or I grew up inside of privilege and having money. So, like, I grew up super poor, um, a lot of really difficult stuff in my childhood. And so I just want to say for people who are listening who maybe think, like, oh, it's so easy for you guys to say find space or have a view or what, all of those things. I remember being a little girl and going into my bed and closing my eyes and using my imagination to imagine myself in a different world than the one that I lived inside of. I honestly didn't have the language to call that manifesting or dreaming or naming big goals at the time, but that truly was where I learned how to do it. So you can envision the life that you want. You can envision the space that you are hoping for years before you ever make that thing manifest. So don't think that you need the money or the house or the property in order to find That piece for yourself, that really is something that you can do through mindset and meditation.
1: You know, this is I'm talking to Rachel Hollis. Her book, Didn't See That Coming. I'm going to tell you why I really, you know, this first time I've spoken to her. But, you know, you you meet somebody, you read about them and you do a little research. You go, I love this person. Okay, first of all, I don't know if you've heard this term, but, you know, I've watched your Instagram account. I like the way you stand because your toes point inward. Okay. When you study <laughs> yes, That's called pigeon toed. I don't know if you pigeon toed pigeon toed. A lot of, toed, yes, a lot I've been of people don't know. They, toed my whole they, life. They, you know. And I'm pigeon toed. Okay, so we pigeon okay, toed couple. you are pigeon toed couple. Okay. One. Okay, so 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 that's why I said so so I, so I, I, I said, so, so Oh, she's pigeon toed. I love her. I love her. And then I'm reading a book and she says uh she says this funny line and She talks about, you know, swallowing a watermelon seed and you think a watermelon will grow in your stomach. Raise yeah. your hand. That was Rashawn McDonald. Rashawn. Right. I, I thought Santa Claus was real. I'm just gonna let you know. That's right. how. That's how simple my of mind course. was. That's how simple my of mind course. was. And so and so then another thing I laughed out loud and I I, I was so fun just listening to reading your book was the was the because was the the birthmark the little mole oh my god yeah I wanted the birthmark so bad. Rachel. That's and, and, hilarious. I, you know, I just I just wanted a little mole somewhere so I could just—that's my little sexy spot right there. That's my that's my <laughs> and you and you got it right there. You know, and, I did, and, and you man. talk and you talk about it. And so so you, we hit it off. Where we hit it off in four ways. Austin, Texas. There girl, you go. Okay. Great. Then you a pigeon toed, and a lot of people when you tell a yes. pigeon toed, unless you pigeon toed, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay.
0: You don't know what that means. Uh, yes. you don't know.
1: And then she has a beautiful birthmark, and then she actually believed that she swallowed a watermelon seed. So a watermelon will grow See. in your stomach, Rashawn McDonald. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, and in the book, the the reason that I'm talking about the watermelon seed is that I want to ask you, as a reader, what are things that you used to believe as capital T truths that you now know were are not true because if you held on to the belief about Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or you know the you know if i if i swallow an apple seed like it's poison and it's going to kill me mm-hmm. then you can ask yourself what as an adult right now what limiting belief what thing are you holding on to right now that could also not be true and that is especially powerful when the thing that you believe is about your own self and your own abilities Right? Like I, I feel like when people grew, grow up without not a lot of things, that they, they sort of go one of two ways. They either have that become their reality. like, the world is out to get me, I'll never get ahead, I'll never have anything. My family doesn't have the resources. They, they have all of these things that they keep telling themselves or. You maybe did what you and I do, which is like, OK, I didn't I didn't come from anything. But by God, I have the ability to wake up today and try my best and I can learn and, and use resources that are out there that are free and I can grow and become something more. So what are the things that you used to believe that are actually, you know, for a fact are not true? Well, dang, what are you holding on to right now in your life that maybe you need to let go of as well?
1: And that's that's so true, because let, let's go back to my Belief there was a Santa Claus. Okay. And I i, yeah. I, was, I was born and raised in the hood. So I, I was holding on to anything that I felt made me feel good. That made me feel, that could yeah. take me away from the world that I knew wasn't the world I wanted to be in. Because I lived in one community until I was 10 years old. And then we moved up to a little bit better black neighborhood. But still, when I walked outside, it looked like the same neighborhood. Black people all around mm-hmm. me. You know, I got on the bus and it was black people getting on the bus. So it wasn't like my environment changed. It was just that my lifestyle got upgraded a little bit. And so I believe, and I'm telling you honestly, Rachel, I believe in Santa Claus until I was 15 years old. I really did. I believe so. Mm-hmm. and so I did not. the The bubble was burst when my dad woke me up. Okay, woke me up. He said, "Come on, boy, we got to put these bikes together." I go, "Bikes together? What you talking about?" You mm-hmm. put, and he took me outside, and uh, and he pulled these bikes. I could go there. I I was so I was so I don't know if you say naive, but I was just so wanted to believe that there yep. was something else out there for me other than what I had known and lived that. He told me, there's no, there's no, that doesn't exist, son. Don't worry about that. Let's put these bikes together. We got to put all this fruit underneath these Christmas trees, these train tracks. We got to put all this stuff underneath so everybody can be happy in the morning. That was my, that was my entry into adulthood right there. I went from, I went from like totally believing in Santa Claus to like, huh? I'm an adult now. Yeah. And so that was like the right. cold slap in the face for me, because, you know, sometimes parents don't understand that that transition of information can really can really do something to a child. And it didn't really I'm not saying it ruined my life, but it was a moment where where I was really safe. I was in a very safe space. And that's what you're mm-hmm. talking about. When you hold on to information, it can keep you in a very space safe space, but it also can hinder your growth
0: absolutely and what's so crazy is that people will hold on to the certainty because they do feel comfort in it even to their own detriment right so right. Uh, i mean i think your the your story about finding that out like oh makes my heart hurt and i i don't know why this just popped into my head but The fact that it's something that you still think about, and you can hear when you tell that story, that it is a painful memory for you, even if it was sort of a rite of passage. And of course, your dad couldn't have thought, you know, at 15 years old, that you still maybe were holding on to that truth. I wonder what it looks like in your life today. Like, have you ever thought about, I'm just thinking as we go into the holidays and Christmas is coming around, like, have you ever thought about doing something, like putting effort into You know, do you volunteer or or give presents or something to um, uh, kids in foster care? Do you do something where you are keeping the spirit of Santa Claus alive for other little kids? Well, you know, the
1: thing about my personality is that I always go back. uh, Since I was 18, I can always realize uh, my mission is always to make other people's lives better. I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm always in a position to make young people see there's opportunity. So I make donations. I'm I'm tied to like specific uh, programs where there's entertainment programs for kids who want to pursue entertainment careers. I have a scholarship foundation at my alma mater, University of Houston, for minority students who want math and science opportunities and optometry opportunities and education. So so I've always had that built in mechanism. To, to make people feel good and see opportunity. And then I'm a big Christmas decorator. OK, I love the mm. that, that, that Christmas tree is going up at my house. You know, I, I will spend money right. to make sure people understand that I value and feel good about the Christmas moment, the spirit of uplift, the spirit mm-hmm. of feel good. That, that dominates my life. And so when I'm reading your book, mm-hmm. you know, don't see don't didn't see that coming. You know, your whole story, when you're telling from that tragic moment, you know, mine is nowhere near the tragic moment you walking in and your brother Ryan and his suicide. It, but it was a jolting moment for me because I was in denial about there was no Santa Claus according to my parents. You know? Right. When people told me, right. I, said, I wrote letters. When you go look at the news, they always tell you he's flying over the North Pole. They're telling the, yeah. the news is the news is telling. I, I just up and tell my friend. They would look at me like, "Boy, you are so stupid. <laughs> really." Look at the news. I validate. And so when you look at a situation, like like in regards to you, you see signs, but you ignore them. And I think that that's what happened in your brother's situation. There were signs and they were Mm -hmm. ignored. And then the reality is never a good thing because the reality led to his suicide. So Mm -hmm. but that was a point that 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 jolted you and there was a rite of passage that you weren't prepared to deal with. Yes, you had to deal with it because guess what? It was thrust upon you. Yes.
0: Well, I think, you know, that is I, I think that most people go through something in their lives that divides their life in half. It's that pivotal moment, whether that happens at age six or 14 or 39, where you divide your life into before and after this thing. And for me, the death of my older brother is my before and after. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, I, I describe it as our, our family was uh, was so was so not great. It, but we were still clinging to something, right? And then Ryan's death was it literally was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like it just decimated whatever was left. And as much as I have always been a really mature, even as a little girl, i was I was very mature. I grew up, like you said, you know, you grew up in that moment. I grew up that day. Um, I, you know, my parents really, obviously, you know, they had just lost their son, but they really struggled with keeping it together. And I remember being way too young and, you know, doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, calling and telling family members that he was gone or helping to, you know, write the obituary, just things that like I was 14. And in retrospect, now that I have my own kids, I can look at that and see how not okay it was. But at the same time, I feel like that's what life is, right? Life are these is this series of moments where you, you're, you're in it, And you're sort of asked to step up and you're asked to figure it out. And, um, that's not the only time that's happened to me in my life. And, and, and I think honestly, it may not be the only time for the rest of my life that I go through something that difficult, which, you know, I think about this year, right? 2020 and everybody keeps talking about 2020 and how they can't wait till it's over. I heard it again on the radio this morning, like, oh, only two more months until this horrible year is over. And I just feel like people are in for such a rude awakening because I really do think that people are clinging to the idea that on New Year's Eve at midnight, suddenly all of our problems are going to go away. And you're going to wake up on New Year's Day with the exact same life that you had on New Year's Eve. And this year, this really hard year of 2020 is not the only hard year you're going to live in the rest of your life. Like sit with that for a minute, because I feel like people are like, I just got to get through this thing. Well, great. What's going to happen three years from now when something even more terrible happens to you or someone you love? You're going to look back on how you handled this moment, this year, this hardship. And you're going to ask yourself, did you step up? Did you do what needed to be done? Did you keep going? Or did you pull the covers over your head and and hope that something was going to change?
1: You know, it's really interesting when I hear you talk like that. And because, you know, you 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 live a life where you are a mom. You're just a regular person who mm-hmm. just happens to be a visionary. And that's why when I ever hear people talking about I can't wait, those people I look at and I have to walk away because... My mindset and your mindset is already deep into twenty twenty one. That's what planners do. You can't make money yeah. thinking thirty day cycles. You're thinking six months and a year because you you think about rent, you think about budgets. That's how you that's how you yeah. plan success. People who are thinking thirty days out, they're just people who are just in that rat wheel. They just rolling. Just to pay yeah. that bill, pay the light bill. And you can never save money like that. And when I when I look at mm-hmm. what, what you're trying to do with your life and what I've done with my life is that we're just trying to win. And we're trying to win with advice on how you can win, too. And that's the nice part about your brand. That's why I associate it so much with the way I think. We're just doing it in different ways. You know, you're being a female. Mm-hmm. I'm being a male. But we're all trying to get people to step up. But it was interesting. I had done this interview with, uh, with Bill U uh, called Impact Theory. And it went viral. Mm-hmm. It went viral. Tom. Yep. Yep, And it went viral. And I was, uh, I was walking into a, um, a Whole Foods. And this guy walked up to me. And he went, you changed my life. I go Aww. I
0: go
1: what the... I'm, you know I'm, I'm I'm trying to give me some peanuts okay I'm trying to give me some peanuts all right? this guy walks up to me so you are Rashawn McDonald right I go yeah he said you changed my life I didn't know what he was talking about and I and I and I take that back to you in your book when you're talking about this lady walked up to you and just exposed the life in front of your son and you're mm-hmm, trying to figure mm-hmm. out you know this is the lifestyle that you you know, that you requested but you didn't expect the res- the end results right. of to all this. And so, so when right. I get these moments, you know, they do catch me off guard, even though I know that I'm an award winning baker, and so people walk out. I'll be in the airport. People go, "That's my man. He can bake." I go, "Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, that's right." Because I do post baking <laughs> cupcakes on my on my social media, so they should be able to recognize that. So, how do you deal with the unexpected, even though you know you should expect that? I guess the question I'm trying to get to you, Rachel, to respond to.
0: <laughs> you know, I at first <laughs> I think like honestly, when you reach a new level of success you don't know what the heck is going on, right? right? You're like, whoa, this is wild. And, it, you know, I do talk about this in the book. It was very overwhelming for me to come to terms with it. And I finally did, you know, I spent months kind of vacillating between, honestly, do I want to do this? Which sounds, I, well, I don't know how it sounds, but I really thought, like, are you, are you capable of handling this much, um, Like, honestly, like holding that space for other people or carrying other people's stories or showing up in this way. And it took me a long time to come to terms and to step into it. And I'll tell you practically, and I don't know if this will help your listeners, but this is definitely something for other people who have any kind of a platform. I honestly made a decision that if I was going to continue to do this work, if I am in public, I am ready to be there for other people. So nine times out of 10, no, especially in COVID, nobody stops me, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I've got a mask on. Maybe they don't even know it's me. They, I, nobody stops me, mm-hmm. but I get stopped. And when I get stopped, it's not, Hey, I love your work. It tends to be something much more in depth or much more emotional because of the kind of things that I talk about and write about. And in that moment, I just think like, I want to show up for this community. I want to do the very best I can for them. I went on a run this morning at the lake, which is a sacred practice for me. And I was running and someone, you know, started yelling my name. Now I could absolutely, I got AirPods in. I could just keep on running and pretend that I didn't hear that person behind me. But again, if, if I'm going to do this, then I have to be in community with these people. And I have to be grateful for that. And I want those women, especially to know that I see them. And so I turned around and ran back to her and it was Andrea looked her in the eye, heard her story, want, you know, gave her a moment. And, and then we just kept, I just kept on running because that's what this is. So for me, like I said, it helped me to prepare myself for the fact that I don't know if I'm going to get stopped, but if I am, I feel like I have been blessed with this platform. Now I've worked my butt off to get here, but I also believe that God gave me this opportunity. And if I believe that someone greater, something greater than me gave me this moment, this opportunity, this community of, of fans and readers, then I am going to own that responsibility and be present for them. If they have a, a moment with me out in the world.
1: Uh, I 100% agree with you. I'm talking to Rachel Hollis. Hey Rachel. Okay. You know, that's what she say. <laughs> Hey Rachel, <my> girl. <laughs> didn't see that coming yep, just you know, like that. <laughs> didn't see that coming. Uh, you know, Rachel, I, I've managed Steve Harvey uh, for like 16 years. So in fact, you know, he was one of our good friends in 2000, he was a very popular comedian and, And then I did the did the family feud deal. I did the Harper Collins deals with uh, the books that sold millions worldwide and was translated in over 30 different languages. And in each step that I went along, more fame came his way and I just mm-hmm. got to watch so I, when I hear your story I, I I look back and reflect because i i, I, I truly understand what you're talking about and each step mm-hmm. along the way, he step a long way he used to fight it he used to fight yeah the, that, that that massive amount of fame that came and the responsibility that came with that fame and defining what was his what was his role in all of this so I I remember mm-hmm. uh you know in, in 20, 2009 the book think like, act like a lady, think like a man came out, you know, so three men and copper, we were on Oprah, like regular on Oprah. We sold 60,000 books in one day while sitting on Oprah. Wow. Oprah. And, uh, and you know, that's a massive amount of books to sell. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, and then, and then, and then, 2010, I did the family feud deal. So we kind of crossed over. We went from a very popular black comedian to a, a, mm-hmm. a, to a comedian who was being recognized, as the, the People thought that was a joke, a black comedian talking about relationships, and it just exploded worldwide. And then we with the family feud and we was crossing over, you know, even though our talk show and then the talk show launched in 2012. And so I remember in 2014, we was walking in Chicago and this large group of uh, a, a, from the Asian community came over and they couldn't speak English at all, but they knew who he was. And I went, I looked mm-hmm. at him and I said, Steve, your life would never be the same, brother. Oh, I said, awesome. I said, they can't even speak English and they know who you yeah. are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they know who you are. They that's know who,
1: so real. They know who you are. And it and it has not been the same ever since. And and, and I recognize yeah. what you're saying, because, you know, Rachel, you're only going to get bigger. You're, you're you're introducing yourself and your brand to my market. My market is a predominant African American market. Ninety percent of my followers are female. Uh, I think they just like the way I bake, but of course, I think I do see some nice <laughs> things <laughs> that motivate them to be successful because they're entrepreneurs. I, I'm really big on pushing mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, both male and female, in my yeah. in my whole volume of money making conversation. But when I when I read your book, my biggest takeaway is that you know you're a mom, and and it, it's a testament how women are becoming such an entrepreneurial force. In our society today, I, when I look at women, you 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 shouldn't you have to you can't wait till 2021 because there are bigger opportunities for 2021. Yeah, I always believe this. My statement is that the COVID, as bad as it is, allowed me to catch up. It allowed me mm. to level the playing field. I, once I got over the shock of the reality that, okay, my life is going to change forever. And I I, you know, I didn't know how many gloves I had to take to the grocery store. I didn't know if I needed a mask. Right. I didn't know yeah. what, if I touched a, a gas pump. Should I, should I, should I, should I the peril you couldn't find that on the store. What could I wash my hands with? Mm-hmm. Once I got over that shock, Rachel, I was good. I was good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think for, for this is always true for entrepreneurs and business owners. I have such a heart for this community as well, because I've been a business owner for 17 years. And what I know to be true is we're, we're not at the end of this. If we found a cure today, we still would deal with the economic fallout from what has happened for years. And I don't say that to freak people out. I say it because as leaders and as business owners, we have to be aware. It's not something to have fear about. It's, okay, what do I need to do to make sure me and my team, me and my family are good? How do I need to show up? How do I need to pivot? How do I need to serve the community, the customer, the clients that I have? So that I can continue to grow, so that I can continue to expand. I think we've all seen this. We've seen businesses who have not been able to handle the pressure, and we've seen businesses that have pivoted. Like, I, I you know, I live in Austin, right? So I remember Tito's, Tito's vodka, which is my favorite thing to mix into a cocktail. Um, when it first happened, you saw all of these liquor companies. They were like, all right, we're making hand sanitizer now. Mm-hmm. We we just saw we saw restaurants that had never ever had delivery, figure out how to do delivery or curbside. We we just saw I, I love it because we've seen the human spirit. We've seen the human spirit show up again and again. And I you know, I think about this a lot because I have pivoted I feel like I've pivoted 20 times since March. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, my my business was predominantly from live events that I can't do anymore. And that, you know, you pee your pants over that. That's a That's a punch in the face. And you can sort of sit down and so many people, so many people were like, just, you know, close down this thing. Just get rid of this thing. And I'm like, nope. I will find a way. And so what I would say to those of you who are listening who you've got that side hustle, you've got that business, you, you're, you're trying to grow and expand, you have got to stay focused on where you are going. You have got to fill up your cup Only with the words and the inspiration of people who are thinking like you are thinking. Meaning, like, go watch those motivational videos on YouTube. Go listen to podcasts that are going to inspire you. Because if you listen to the world, if you listen to maybe your mama, your friends, maybe your spouse, people are so scared right now. And their fear will take hold of your heart if you let it. And so I just keep my eyes on the horizon. I keep my eyes on the horizon. I know where I'm going. I do not let other people speak their fear into my heart. And I stay focused because the biggest, some of the biggest companies in the world were built inside of a recession. And if you can just keep your eyes on where you are going, keep doing the work, keep expanding the ways that you need to expand, you will come out the other side of this stronger and you will have surpassed people who couldn't stay in the fight. So just keep focused on where you're going and keep going.
1: My friend, it's 30 minutes, okay? You, uh, our, yeah. <laughs> our relationship has been flying along and that means it's been a great interview or uh, Rachel Hollis new book didn't see that coming uh, Harper Collins I made a lot of money with Harper Collins so I know they know me over there <laughs> three number one bestsellers I tell you we, we we kept them in business then I think in 20, two, 2009 but again thank nice. you for coming to my show I hope, I hope you be a regular on my show and uh, like I said yeah uh, thank you this uh, was great you, you're amazing uh, you, we, uh, you know we, we, we obviously grew up differently We're obviously our genders are differently but uh, I, I so relate to what you are experiencing and what you're trying to say to my audience as well as to your audience. And uh, again, uh, the future is on our side and, uh, and the future means we will speak to each other again in the future. Thank you, Rachel, for coming Absolutely. on my show. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. If you want to hear more Money Making interviews, please go to MoneyMakingConversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.